Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. When I was a kid, I had this desire. This goal to fit in. Anybody ever have that goal when you're a kid? You just, just want to fit in and to be friends with as many people as possible. You know, and, and when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, you're growing up, there's not many ways of getting that. It's, it's like very simple. You're either like a good athlete, right? Or you got like cool toys and everybody wants to be your friend. There's just something about you that sticks out. And you better hope that it's a good thing that sticks out. If not, people will make fun of you for the rest of your life. And, you know, a lot of the funny names that people get, they get it when they're kids. Like my friend Tarrito, you know, he, he got that name when, when he was young because he had this, like, little horn growing on the side of his head. And, you know, that's just kids are mean. And so, you know, and so when I assessed myself, the, the only thing I could put a finger that, that was different uh, about me and the rest of the kids is, was that I was a little chubby, right? And, and nobody's like, oh, let's all be friends with him because he's a little chubby. And so one day I'm riding my bike with my friends to Amelia Earhart Park. Anybody know that, that park in, in Hialeah? And, and I would go there almost every weekend and, and uh, we'd drive there and sometimes it was just a quick drive around and we'd go back home a, a, as soon as possible. And, and on this weekend, um, I had an opportunity. I had an opportunity to stand out, to earn some cred. I, I was with these two guys, and they dared me to ride my bike down one of the big hills there. Anybody, you know, guys know what I'm talking about, the hills and Amelia Earhart. And, and, and I, I said, okay. And so here I am, I'm like pushing my bike, like I couldn't even ride my bike up the hill. And, and I'm on the top of the hill, and I'm looking down, and you could just guess what, you know, my close friends were doing. Like, come on, don't be a chicken. You're such a chicken. I told you he wasn't going to do it. You know, and, and this is what I'm feeling. And I'm on my bike, you know, that I had kind of put together with like pieces of other bikes and stuff. And, and so I'm on, I'm on the top of the hill and I'm like, this is my moment. I'm either going to re be remembered as a chicken and all the things that they're calling me now or, or the guy that conquered the hills in Amelia Earhart, right? And so I, I get on the bike and and I count to three, and I just go for it. And, and it's going pretty good, like right up, you know, as I'm going down, and as I'm about halfway down the hill, like, I, I lose control, my bike flies up in the air, and I'm rolling down the hill, the bike lands on me, hits me, and there's total silence. And I'm just wondering, am I alive? Am I in heaven? You know, I could feel my body oozing blood out of different parts. Like every single exposed part of my body was scraped. I could feel the chichones starting to come out of my head. And, and I'm looking at my friends and they're quiet. They're just like on the top of the hill like this. And I thought to myself, this is my moment. Right, and I threw the bike off of me and I got up and I put my fists up in the air and, and my friends came running down the hill and they're like, yeah! You know, they're probably just happy they didn't kill me, right? And, uh, and then, man, I, I got my moment. And everyone that we bumped into that day, they're like, oh my gosh, you should have seen Mark, right? And then he fell and he just got back up and nothing was broken and whatever. And by the time I got to school on Monday, everybody knew about what I had done. You see, I think we've all been there. We've all had a desire to belong. We've all have a desire to fit in, to be part of something that's bigger than us. And you know that that desire was actually put in our hearts by God. You see, that's why we get excited when we bump into someone that say, you're not from Miami. I know like Luke is, is an is a eagle stand, right? And whenever there's a random poor soul that likes the Eagles, and you should see how Luke just lights up, oh my gosh, you like the Eagles too, like I went to the Super Bowl all by myself, and I almost got mauled in the streets of Philadelphia, and uh, <laughs> right, like, like people light up, right, and, and, and also it brings people together, like, you know, when I say, yeah, I'm a Dolphin fan, and all of a sudden people put their arm around me and be like, man, like, you know, 
I know what it's like. You know, all of a sudden there's like a funeral service going on in any part of Miami when, when you pledge your loyalty to the Dolphins. And you see this with people that have served in the military, right? They bump into someone else. Oh, I was in the Marines. I was in the Marines too. Automatically they start speaking in another language that you've never heard before. You know, 25, 32, 44, and this stuff. And like, what are these? Like football passes or something, right? See, we all have this desire to... to to be part of something, to belong, and, and we identify when someone identifies with us. See, this week, I, I want to do something for you. I want to dare you the same way that my friends dared me. I want to dare you to commit. I want to dare you to love and serve. Oh, oh but Pastor Mark, uh, when, it, when it comes to committing to church and stuff, I just want to help. I, I don't want to commit. Do you know that your life has actually shaped by the commitments that you have. We become whatever we commit to. So if we don't commit ourselves to anything, we end up becoming nothing in life. We are shaped by our commitments. Great people are just ordinary people who have made great commitments to causes that are greater than themselves. I'll say that again. Great people are just ordinary people who have made a great commitment to great causes that are greater than, than themselves. Nobody is naturally great. You're not naturally great. I'm not naturally great. We're just normal people, ordinary people. People get, become great men or, or great women of God when they commit themselves to something that is greater than themselves. You see, but life doesn't teach us that. We don't learn that in school. We, we don't even hear that all the time. It's like, you've got to worry about yourself first. I mean, that's the advice we get from our parents sometimes. Just worry about yourself. You need a cause that's bigger than you to live for. If the only thing you're living for is you, that's not big enough to get out of bed in the morning. Just call in tomorrow and say, hey, I I'm not coming in. See, instead, you need to live for something that's bigger than yourself. Something that draws life out of you. Because you were made for something bigger than yourself. God created you with a purpose that is so much bigger than just you, what you look in the mirror. See, we become whatever we commit to. Think about that. The problem is that a lot of people are afraid to make commitments, and we see this in society. We see this in relationships. We see this in, in men and women as they start dating. Oh, we don't want to commit to each other. We want an open relationship. You see, and for a lot of people, Life, it's like going down the buffet line, right? You have this fear of commitment, and it starts off with like the jello, right? And, and the salad, I'm not gonna get that because I don't know what's in the back and the end of the line, and I don't wanna fill my tray up. Remember going to Piccadilly as a kid, and you're like, I don't know if they got the catfish today. You know, I, I, could, I, I shouldn't get that much pudding. And these are conversations that I had with myself. And, and so you, you pass up on all these opportunities to put food on your plate. And then you get to the end of, end of the line and you're like, oh my gosh. All these opportunities just pass me by. See, and for some of us, that's when it happens. The same thing happens in life. You see, this doesn't happen to my boy Joshy. Man, this kid, when he goes to a buffet, he embarrasses us. All right? We've even had to sit him at his own table sometime. Because it's like a mountain of food. He's not letting the opportunity pass him by. You think he's going to the electric chair. And I know what he's going to ask me after service. Papi, what's the electric chair? Is it fun, right? <laughs> he's not going to let the opportunity pass him by. But so many times in life, we don't commit because, hey, what about if another opportunity comes up? What about if something else happens? What about if I commit to this and then all of a sudden there's an opportunity to go do that? What about if I take a ticket from Al to go to the Marlins game and then someone tells me like, hey, you want to go have, you know, go, go to a heat game? And it's like, a heat, Marlins, that's a pretty easy decision, but then you're giving up. An opportunity, see, we can't live life without commitments. You can't buy a house without a commitment. You can't buy a car without a commitment. You can't have a job without a commitment. You can't have a relationship, a real relationship without a commitment, yet alone marriage. Our commitments define our lives. Let's say that together. Our commitments define our lives. And today I'm going to share with you the keys to making good commitments, because if we're going to be defined by our commitments, then we got to know. we got to pray to God and say, God, help me make good commitments. Romans 6, it says this, give yourself completely to God. 
every part of you, for you have been brought back to life. And you want to be tools in the hands of God used for his good purposes. See, the highest commitment that you'll ever make in your life is to give yourself completely to God. To be used by God for the purposes that he has created you to fulfill. Each and every one of us have been created by God for a specific purpose. Romans 12.1 says this, Since God has shown us great mercy... Offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to Him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. Amen? What does that mean, this offering? Like, what is God talking about? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about our lives and our lives. The way that we live our lives should be a living sacrifice to God. I want to ask you a question. Who in this room wants to fulfill God's purpose for their life? I want you to raise your hand and say, you know what? I want to fulfill the purpose, my reason in life. I want to fulfill that. You see, and so I want to point out to you, you cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. You cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. There's no way that you're going to do this. We were made for each other. We were wired for community. We were made for relationship. The Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. Whether you're married or not, we need relationships in our lives. We need a spiritual family. Some things in life you can only do with other people. You can only learn some things when you're with other people. And we're going to talk about five commitments this morning. And let's get right into it. The first thing is to strengthen my faith, I must unite with others in worship. To strengthen my faith, I must unite with others in worship. Worship is for God. And you're probably thinking, like, how can I be stronger by worshiping with others? Shouldn't it just be between me and God? I'm going to give you two reasons why. It renews your faith and it restores your joy. When you come to worship like this, in a room like this, in a setting like this with other people, we worship God and it renews our faith. It restores our joy. The Bible says this, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. How many times have you woken up on a Sunday and said, hey, you know what? I I'm not going to church today because I'm tired. I've had a bad week, I don't feel good, and then somehow you show up to church, you come to church, and you start worshiping God, and after you're like, man, I feel great, I'm so energized, like the worship connected me with God, that conversation I had with someone just really pumped me up, the message that the pastor shared, and the opportunity to make a commitment with God, like really changed, I think all of us can say, yeah, I've had, I've had moments, moments where I had to preach, I'm like, man, can I just call someone to like fill in for me today? And I show up and I see your faces and I, I worship God and my faith is energized. My faith is strengthened. You know, we're going to get, you're not going to um, grow in your strength by watching golf on TV when you're, when you're feeling tired, all right? You're definitely, and I'm sorry, but you're definitely not going to renew your strength and your joy by missing church to catch the Dolphins play, right? That's just going to make you lazier, sad, depressed. You may throw your shoe at your TV and break it, right? We renew our strength. We get recharged by coming together and getting around the family of God. Because life is hard. Can I get an amen? Life is hard, right? Sometimes I feel like our lives are a lot like the movie Rocky. But man, life can be like that, right? It's like you go out. And you wake up in the morning and something happens at home and it's like, boom. And then you get in the car and now with the new speed lanes on the Palmetto, which I hate, there's like always traffic, right? And, uh, you know, and it's like wherever you go, you go to work and there's problems at work. And then you get home and there's problems at home. And sometimes I feel like church is like when the bell rings, you know, and you guys show up here and, and, and we're trying to encourage you the same way Mick was like, get up, get up. And then it's Monday and we're recharged. It's like if someone gave us a spiritual jump and we can conquer the world and we can conquer the problems of the world that's 
what church is. See, church, I believe, and I know it's biased, it ought to be fun. And it may be shocking for some of you because we didn't grow up going to fun churches as kids sometimes. But man, God's not mad at you. God loves you. God's madly in love with all of us. He loves us and he wants us to live successful lives and happy lives. He doesn't want to guilt you. He doesn't want you to serve him out of duty. He wants you to serve him because you're happy and you have joy. You see, there's this thing that I love about our church, about Love Unlimited, is no one comes here out of duty. They're here because they want to be here. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. When I was a kid, we used to sing this song, and it was about that. And it, it, it would go like this, and it's a funny little Spanish corito, but it, it would say, Yo me alegre con lo que me decían, right? A la casa de Jehová iremos. And it's just the same thing. I got happy when people told me that we're going to church, that we're going to God's home. That's where we re-energize. That's where we hear Mick saying, get up, you lazy bum, you know, and go and fight because you're a conqueror. You see, this commitment helps us discover our true identity. And see, to discover our true identity and purpose, number two, I must connect with others in fellowship. I must connect with others in fellowship. You never learn who you really are by yourself. You only learn it in relationships. For instance, if you were born and they stuck you in a room and your entire life you were isolated from people, no human contact, no adult contact, none of us would know who we are. We, would have the, we wouldn't have the slightest idea. We would just be in this room living and they feed us and food shows up every day. But, but we wouldn't know who we are, but we get our identity from the relationships that we have. We learn our identity from the people that surround us. You see, here's what the Bible has to say specifically about being connected to God's family. In Romans chapter 12, it says, We are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from Christ's body as a whole. Not the other way around. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? See, it's kind of obvious my ear has a function. It, it, it only has one function and purpose, but it needs to be connected to my body. If my ear would be chopped off and just thrown on the ground over there, it would serve no purpose. If my, if my um, nose was cut off, it, it would serve no value to me. I couldn't smell. I, I, I could still breathe, right? I couldn't hear. If my ear was cut off, it would serve no purpose. My body would be hurt. You see, a lot of times we disconnect ourselves from God's body, from serving the Lord, and, and then we feel like, man, I, I feel empty. I, I feel like I don't have value. And so we lose our purpose if we're not connected to the body of Christ. See, the purpose that God made for you can only be discovered by being connected to the body of Christ. If you're not connected to the church, you're not going to know what your purpose is. You're not going to know what your role is. You're not going to know what your function is. You're not going to know what your value and your meaning in life is. Disconnected. See, if my hands are cut off, what's going to happen to my hands? They're going to shrivel up and die. I remember one time my, my dad's finger was like chopped off. He was carrying furniture. And, and, and he did whatever he could to like save his finger because he didn't want to walk around life like this. You know what I mean? And, and he tells me stories about how he like put it in his mouth. And I'm like, that's disgusting, bro. Like... You know, and then they put it in ice and they were able to like attach it to him. But think about how meaningless, like we could live life like this. And we'd probably have incredible stories to tell him, hey bro, what happened to your finger? Oh, it was this. And by the time, you know, you're 60 years old, it's like, oh, one time this sniper sniped it off and I was running, right? So it's like old people have the best stories. See, your value, your use, your purpose, your identity, it comes from relationships, from your relationship in the body of Christ. God's family to the church. It's all about our relationship. And I'll prove it to you. Think about the last time you had a conflict with someone, right? Maybe you're in a conflict with somebody right now. And what happens to life when there's a conflict? It sucks, right? Everything could be going good for you. You could have money. You could be healthy. You could have everything that you want. You could be handsome. You can be beautiful. But if you have a bad relationship, Especially with someone that's close to you, if there's tension, what happens? Like nothing else matters. 
Like you're consumed by that problem. You're consumed by that like wrench that has just been thrown into your life and you can't function and people are looking at you and saying, don't worry, man, you got all this other stuff. But all you can think about is like, man, this, there's a conflict in the body. There's a conflict in my family. There's a conflict with one of my, our friends. And that's because we get our identity through our relationships. That's why we discover our purpose when we're connected with others in fellowship. Number three, to develop my potential, I must learn from others to grow. To develop my potential, everything that I'm capable of. Have you ever looked at someone and said, man, he has so much potential. She has so much potential. Usually that like line follows like, bro, this guy's a loser, but he has so much potential, right? This lady, like, I can't believe she's thrown her life away. She had so much potential when we were growing up. We bump into people we go to school with, and we're like, oh, my gosh, look at them. They had, like, most likely to succeed on the yearbook. And, and then we get home and be like, hey, you know that person we saw in public, you know, or whatever? Like, look, that was that, most likely to succeed, right? And it's because a lot of times we don't put ourselves in positions where we can develop our potential, where we can learn from others. Ephesians 4 says this, Christ's body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts. We help each other to grow. I help you grow. You help me grow. There are many things in life that we can't learn unless we're in a relationship with other people. God wired us this way. See, God created in all of us this desire to love people. We see this connection with babies, right? Babies could be going completely crazy. They don't know how to eat. They don't know how to go to the bathroom properly. I mean, stuff's flying out of everywhere. It's like craziness. No communication. They can't speak. And yet there's this connection when mom grabs the baby and puts him or her close to her chest. And this baby knows how to love. This person, uh, this baby understands that it needs someone. It needs the warmth of another person. And that desire and that need was put in all of us by God. I mean, God created us to have a relationship with us. He created Adam and Eve to have a relationship with us. And one of the next things that he says after making Adam, what does he say? It's not good for man to be alone. That's why in all of us there's this desire for relationships. You see, God created us to love people and use things, right? But we're so far from that as a society now. The hearts, everything that, that we think about, you know, the, the heart of people today has become so hard that all we want to do to satisfy and to think we feel good is to, I, I need to get more things. I need to accomplish more stuff so I can brag about it. And so our relationships with people is like, look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've succeeded in. Look at the things that I've been able to connect and so what ends up happening instead of loving people we begin to love the things that are around us and we use everyone that's in our way to get those things to get what we call success earthly success and you know what success really means it means that you can decide what you want to do right like I want to go to the movies I'm successful so I can buy a ticket you see I, I want to get that I'm successful so I can buy that I want to go there and I'm successful so I can get in there. And the more that we have, we think the more successful that we are. But you know what happens with success? Success does not fulfill us. And that's the reason why so many people that the world would think is successful or are successful, they end up taking their lives and it's like the world sounds like, oh my gosh. He was like the best actor ever. She was the best singer in the world and she had everything that she wanted. And people say, what a life that has been wasted, right? Oh my, why? They, they had success. They had everything that they wanted. See, we were made for more than success. We were made for significance. And significance comes from giving my life away to something that's greater than me. Significance comes by giving our life away to something that's bigger than us. The fourth thing, to experience significance, I must learn to serve with others in ministry. To experience significance in my life, I must learn to serve with others in ministry. See, ministry is just a word for doing good. Doing good 
four people and two people. So I must serve with others in ministry. If we want to achieve significance, see a lot of people think that if I just have a nice car, I'm significant. If I wear a certain logo on my shirt, then I'm significant because I got this dress or I got this shirt. See, why, why do people wear things with brands? So that they can say, hey, look, my brand is, is better than your brand, right? A lot of people, that's how they live their life. But we know that they're not. We know that that brand does nothing for them. So significance does not come from status. Significance does not come from your salary because there's a lot of people that make more money than you could ever make. Significance comes from service. Significance comes from serving. God wired the universe that way for us to feel significant about our lives when we give it away. It doesn't even make sense. We feel significant about our life when we give it away. You cannot be selfish and significant at the same time. I cannot be selfish and significant at the same time. We need to remind ourselves. I need to remind myself that. I, can, I can't be selfish and significant if I, if I want to live a significant life for God. See, significance comes when we stop thinking about us and we start thinking about other people and how we can help them and how we can serve them and how we can give our life away. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each of you have received a gift to serve. Each of us has received a gift to serve others. Look up here for a minute. Your talents, the talents that you got, they're not for your benefit. You're like, what? It's mine, right? The talents that you have were for the benefit of the people that are sitting next to you in the row that you're in. You may not know the people on the row with you, but your talent, what you, could you imagine if Tanya only sang in the shower? Which she probably does, does she, Mike? But could you imagine if that gift that God has given her, if she just sang in the shower? Right? Or if like Georgie, who's a great cook, would just cook for himself and not share that gift that he has. Think about the gifts that you have, unique things that you have. They're not yours. God blessed you with them. He gave them to you so you can bless the people that are around you. Your talents were not given just for your benefit, but for the benefit of all of us. For all of our benefits. My talents were not given to me for my benefit, but for the benefit of everyone that's around me. So we need each other. We need our gifts. We need our talents. On those mornings when we don't want to come to church, we want to hear these guys up here leading us in worship so that we can grow closer to God. See, ministry is our path to significance. Ministry is our path to serving God. You're not going to find it any other way. You're never going to feel good about yourself until you start giving your life away. I'm going to invite Georgie to come up here. If you guys can put your hands together for Georgie. And uh, as he comes up here, I'm going to repeat that. You're never going to feel good about yourself until you start giving your life away. Good afternoon, Love and Limit. How are we doing? So like Pastor Mark said, my name is George, and um, I've been able to have the unfortunate uh, uh, blessing to be able to serve and alongside wonderful peers here. So I want to start with a transitional story. So I'm a chef, as some of you may know, and I got the fortunate opportunity to cook due through school. So I started working in Disney about, I'd say, three years ago, and I had a wonderful opportunity. But, you know, life was great. And as we all know, when life is great, sometimes that's when... Uh, the devil wants to come around and distract you. He wants to knock you off of your high horse, or he just wants to come and distract you away from, you know, the blessings that you want to bless others with. And I didn't feel complete, you know. I've always been so tight to my family, and I told my mom one day, I can't do this anymore. I think I'm ready to come home. So I came home, and, you know, I started working here. Life was great, making great money, but where was God, right? So I'm so close to my family. My uh, cousin Stephanie, she started convincing me. She said, Georgie, you need to start coming to church. You know, you need, to, you need to start, you know, recognizing what God has done in your life. You know, such amazing talents. And I listened to her. I said, you know what? I'm going to start going to church and see what it's about. So I started going to church. You know, I started going one Sunday, yes, one Sunday, no. And I started liking it. I met Pastor Mark and the way that he preached and his family. And, you know, we started hanging out. It was amazing, right? But I just always had that urge in me to do more than just come to church and leave. And, you know, it's easy to come to church, you worship, you listen to the word and go home and the week, you know, starts. So one day Mark tells me I'm going to start a church. 
and he knows I cook, so Mark likes to, you know, you, all of us use our talents, so he tells me, I want to have an event called Vision and Croquetas. And he says, I want to do some gastro pub croquetas. Georgie, would you be interested in helping me? And I said, yeah, Mark, of course. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And anybody here that has any experience with cooking knows croquetas take a while. And me and my grandma, only us two rolled more than 800 croquetas, right? <laughs> Glory to God. And, and as things kept going on, you know, Mark, Mark just kept on introducing me and letting me help him. And, and I was feeling great. I was feeling fired up, right? And one day Mark tells me, hey, Georgie, we're going to have a picnic in the park. And I want to do, do sandwiches. Are you down? Of course, man. What are we doing? Oh, we're doing it in December in the beach. December in the beach. Yeah, and I want to do baptisms too, man. Oh, would you ever be like down to get baptized? Mark, did you listen to what you just said? A baptism in December in the beach. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? And that day I got in that water. It was probably... 50, 60 degrees, bro. It was freezing in there. And when Mark dunked me into that water and I got baptized, it was, it was the most amazing experience. And I felt God present that day. God was there for me. Right? And ever since that day, I knew that I wanted to transform from a regular attender to start serving, right? So when I decided to give my life to Christ wholeheartedly and told him to use me so I can glorify him in my everyday life, things started to change. When I tell you that God started using my natural talents to help others, things started to flourish. I lost my job as a chef, and one day, instead of going and getting another job, I said, you know what, I'm going to start my own business. I've never invested a dollar in marketing, a dollar in anything, and I can tell you that God has showed up in my times where I have had nothing. So glory to God. When I started serving wholeheartedly, God's blessings begin to unfold in my life because serving and living a life of worship and telling God one day, God, use me however you see fit has been the best, um, you know, decision of my life. Serving has also influenced me to abide by consistency in my life and help me set a firm foundation of faith and repetitive prayer and constant loving and serving on others. So coming here at 7 a.m., I'm part of the setup team. I'm part of a bunch of different teams because I like to involve myself in a lot of different things. But coming every week here at 7, it's hard. Especially that I love to fish on Sundays. The guys can tell you how much I spend talking about fishing. I'll leave a fishing trip and I'm here on Sunday at 7 a.m. Because, you know, I love to serve God. Amen. Before serving, I was closed off, right? I used to like thinking about myself only. I was worried about myself. I was, I was, I'm young and I'm worried about growing, right? Through being a faithful servant and meeting great people every Sunday and serving in areas where I'm constantly speaking to people and introducing myself and talking about what God has done in my life, it's been such a great opportunity because I make some personal connections. I've met people here that I get to teach them about what God has done in my life and vice versa. And it's just so great, you know. Finally, serving every Sunday, we all have problems at home. We're all going to face, um, you know, despair. We're all going to face depression. We're all going to face burden, anguish, depression. All of that stuff, when you come to church, when you come in through those black drapes over there, that's all left, right? Because we're coming here to serve a loving God. And if you start serving here, you're going to see that it's different. People are going to come here and they're going to recognize the way you act, the way, you know, the way that you normally move. And they're going to notice when something is off beat with you and they're going to help you. You know, we all come here and we're all getting away because the outside world, there's a lot of great things happening outside, but there's also a lot of people trying to bring you down. So this is my escape. Um, you know, I have a father going through depression and it's been hard because I love my mom so much and she does her best to help me. But when you're, when you're a man, sometimes, you know, your father, he gives you advice. He gives you things in your life that help you keep you straight, right? And I can tell you that I've missed my dad so much for 10 months, but there's guys here that they speak truth into me, and they help me so much that sometimes I can escape my outside problems. God tells me, you know what, come here and serve me, and I will get rid of all the problems in your life. So I've come here, and thank you. Giving a testimony like this, I've never spoken publicly. Um, I've never done this, but being up here, I don't even feel nervous, and that's God's presence in my life. So some of you are sitting out there, and you're feeling lukewarm inside of you, and you're saying, what's my next step? And that feeling inside of you of uneasiness, that's God telling you, take that next step. You know, get up and take that next step. So I challenge everybody, if you're feeling lukewarm, or you have that urge to take that next step, that's God knocking on the door and inviting you into his kingdom. You have to open the door and invite God. God is going to be there, but he's not going to force you. He doesn't change free will. So invite him into your life. 
and I invite all of you, if you want to learn more, if you want to come speak to me, speak to me. I'm as regular as all of you. I just got the fortunate opportunity to come up here and speak to you and tell you what God has done in my life. So thank you so much, and I invite all of you to take that next step. That's pretty awesome. Um, I think one of the biggest privileges that I have as a pastor is just to have the front row seat to what God is doing in people's lives. Jesus said this in Mark 8, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. So many people waste their days, their entire lives, trying to find meaning and purpose and here Jesus is saying the only way to find your true life is by giving it away. See, God has a lot to say about serving. And the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I owe everything to that. As a child, you know, um, I, I see my kids serving. I, like I was just bragging about Sophia up here because that's how I grew up. Every opportunity that I had, I, I just, I couldn't sign up for like one more thing. And people are like, Mark, like how'd you grow up and, and you met the, the perfect woman and, and you guys had a great courtship and you got married and you have great kids. Guys, it's because I serve God. It has nothing, I had great parents, I have a great wife, I have great in-laws, but it's only because I decided to give my life away and say, God, I, I want to give everything I am to you. He says that we're supposed to do everything in this like real special way. It's not just begrudgingly, but it's like, God, I, I just want to give you everything that I have. You see, we weren't meant to serve God by ourselves. We were meant to serve God in teams. We were meant to serve God as a family in a church. We were meant to serve God in relationships. And here's what the Bible has to say, and then I'll just prove this to you. I'm not, I'm not, and again, I want everyone in this room and some of you already do to have stories like Georgie's to have stories like mine that there was a season of struggle and we decided to give our life away and to serve God and things started to change Ecclesiastes 4 says this two people are always better than one because they get more work done by working together if one falls down the other one can help him up but it is bad for a person who is alone and falls because there is no one there to help him if two lie down together, they can share the same blanket and stay warm. But a person alone will not be warm. Sometimes I'm cold when I'm lying down next to my wife because she takes my blanket, right? But it's still there and I can, I can pull it from her and, and cover myself. See, an enemy might defeat one person, but two people together can defend themselves. And a rope that is woven of three braids is hard to break. See, there's a lot of truth in this passage. But let me summarize it in three statements. And you can write these down on your phone. They'll be on the screen. Take pictures. When we work together, we maximize our impact. When we work together, we maximize our impact. Let me just say it in a way that, that we can understand. What you do with other people in this church will far outlast anything that you do on your own. I guarantee it. You make an impact with your life. You want to impact the world. You want to have a global impact, a historical impact that people will talk about from generations to generations? Do it with the people that God has put next to you here at Love Unlimited. You see, what we do together is so much more significant than what we do as individuals. See, for, for significance, we, we uh, sometimes think it's like, man, I'm going to show up somewhere and I'm going to show everyone how significant, how I'm the flavor that they are looking for. But think about this, a desert, one drop of water, doesn't mean anything, right? But if now there's millions and millions of drops of water, that'll change the ecosystem. That'll put a garden in the middle of a desert. And you know who did that a couple months ago? We did as a church. Nine, 10 months ago, I went to this school and there was a desert. All right, it was a beautiful little school in the middle of the Overtown, and a lot of you were there. You saw pictures. It was disgusting. I mean, there was this garden, and it was rotting, and kids played there. Right? It was ugly. It was broken. There was, it was like a bad situation. And Mark couldn't do it by himself. 
Actually, Love Unlimited couldn't do it by itself. But other churches heard about it and they joined us. Other organizations, public organizations, companies donated money and we got together and we had a global impact. We had an impact in that society. And I get pictures regularly from the teachers and from the principals and from people that visit the school and they send me pictures of the kids playing in the garden that we made because we had a dream and we shared that dream and people joined us on that dream. And so we maximize our impact when we work together. The other thing that we do is we minimize our failure. Verse 10 says that if one falls down by himself, what happens? No one's going to pick him up. But if you're with other people, they'll pick you up. Georgie talked about it. There's days that he feels depressed, days that he feels tired, days that he may feel inadequate and he shows up and he's serving with guys that love him and they encourage him and he worships and he leaves here and he feels better because someone picked them, picked him up. And the third thing is when we work together, we mobilize our resources. We pull them together. We pull people together. Our funds go further it says if you're sleeping outside together, you can share a blanket and you can stay warm. Jesus said there's no such thing as insignificant service. There's no such thing as insignificant ministry. Jesus said if you say to a little kid, here's a cup of cold water, there's significance in that. You did it in Jesus' name. The Bible says that there is significance in ministry. See, I don't have to be flashy. I just need to serve. I am not going to do things by myself anymore. I made a decision years ago to not do life by myself. Sometimes I'll have couples that come up to me and share problems with me. And I say, man, I have no idea how to help you. But here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to do life with you. We can go on vacations together. We can have dinner together. You can see me and my wife fight, you know. And maybe in this thing that we call life, we can figure it out together. All right, and a couple years ago, I shared this story before. I get a call from a couple celebrating their seventh anniversary or eighth anniversary. And I'm like, these guys must have gotten into a huge fight if they're calling me at 1030 at night, the day of their anniversary. And they're like, hey, Mark, is Leilani there? I'm like, yeah. And they're FaceTime, so we're like in bed in our pajamas. And so we're like here in the covers, like here, like, hey, what's up? And they're in a restaurant and they're like, we just got our champagne. We're about to make a toast. And we want to toast our eight-year anniversary to you guys. Because seven years ago, we were ready to call it quits. And today, we're celebrating eight years of marriage because you decided to do life with us. And I'm not telling you this. Remember I said I'm, I'm not significant by myself. We become significant surrounded by others. I'm just an ordinary guy that decided to serve God. See, there's a difference between prominence and significant. There's a lot of people that want to be prominent. What does that mean? You want to be the one that gets the award. You want to be the one that gets recognized. But being significant is so much better. It's like my nose. My nose is very prominent, right? And sometimes it gets into rooms before I do. But you know uh, what's, what's more significant than my nose that no one sees is my spleen. It's my liver. It's my lungs. I've never seen them. I trust that they're in there, right? But if those things decide to stop working, what's going to happen? I'll die. Someone could cut my nose off, fall off, and I could, I could live. I'd look, be ugly, right? I, I'd look like that guy in the uh, American, uh, uh, Captain America movies, like the Red Skull or whatever his name is. But I could live. Yet my lungs and my liver and my spleen are so significant. But we forget about them all the time. We take them for granted. What you want in your life... It's not prominence, it's significance. Matthew says this, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did it for me. And you know what Jesus meant when he said that? And it keeps going and it said, hey, well, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you went to visit me. And then it says that the guy goes, Jesus, when, when did that ever happen? When were you hungry and I fed you? When were you thirsty and I gave you to drink? When were you naked and I clothed you? And he said, whatever you did to the least of these, you did it for me, and that's why we do homeless outreaches, right? I know that most of them are on drugs. I know that most of them will never leave the streets. But Jesus said, hey, if you find someone that's hurting, go and love them and care for them. And maybe there'll be one 
Maybe there'll be two, maybe there'll be none, but as we do that, we are showing the world that Jesus loves us. We're showing the world that we are significant in our community. There's people that come to our churches for the first time because they hear that there's a group of people that actually go out there and love people and serve people that can't do anything for them back. I got a message from a pastor from one of the largest churches here in Miami on Facebook a couple weeks ago, and he's like, bro, you just started a church. Why are you guys so worried about what's going on in the Bahamas? Like, you know, just focus on growing your church and, and filling your church up. And, and, and he's telling me all this stuff. And, and it's coming from a good place. And he's like, do you have friends in the Bahamas? Do you have connections in the Bahamas? And I, I just responded, Jesus is in the Bahamas. And Jesus wants us to go love them and help them. And uh, I met a guy last Friday. Last Friday? Yeah, last Friday. And while I was up downstairs 30 minutes ago, an hour ago, looking over my message, he sent me a text. Met him last Friday in Freeport, 10 hours into like not having water myself. And, and this guy came into the place that I was staying and I met him and I talked with him and his church had been completely inundated. His, you open the doors of his church, it's like the perfect church for anyone that loves the ocean. The ocean's right there, right? and the ocean came all the way inside his church. There's still seaweed inside of his church. And he said, hey, can you pray for me? Can you pray? I'm, I'm about to go preach. Can you pray for me? So that's a connection that Jesus made because all of us said, you know what? If there's something, maybe it's small. It's not, we're not going to like build buildings and empires. But you know what? Whatever we can do, we're going to do it in Jesus' name. And we pulled together and there's like 20 schools that have partnered with us right to, to fill up containers i messaged a friend of mine that's a contractor and said hey there's this church it's missing windows it's missing doors it's missing part of his roof and we got together and we're making a maximum impact in jesus name because those people everyone that's hurting is important to god and it would be terrible of us to call ourselves christians and just sit there and watch and this is my last thing to make an internal difference an eternal difference i must join with others on mission one day you and I will cease to exist. One day this church will not exist, but there are people that will live forever because Mike and Miguel and Georgie and Yuri and I'm sorry because I'm David, my brother-in-law, and so many people show up here every Sunday at 7 o'clock to roll this tarp, to set up those chairs, to set up this stage, and Luke setting up the sound, and Carol doing the PowerPoint, and because she's my sister, I send it to her like at midnight or three in the morning, like every week. And people are coming to Jesus and they're living forever. And I just want to thank all of you for doing that. And there's teachers that serve. There's people that serve in the parking lot. I mean, everywhere. And there is a kingdom eternal impact that's happening because we've come together in mission. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And the reason we do this, the reason Leilani and I made the crazy decision to like walk away from security and start a church in Little Havana is because the last words that Jesus spoke, and we always remember people's last words, right? We all remember, they fill history books, they're on walls, they're memes that we put up. Jesus said this, his last words on earth, Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you. If you ever wonder where is God, God is in service. If you ever wonder why are things in my life falling apart, it's because we're living life alone. If you want purpose in your life, if you want to fulfill your purpose in life, I want to challenge you today to say, God, I'm tired of helping out. I'm tired of just doing things when they're convenient, when they fit into my schedule, and say, God, I'm sorry, but today I want to choose to love and serve you. I want to find purpose in my life. That is the whole reason why we do what we do every single week. I'm going to invite you to stand up. And there may be some of you here today that the relationship that you need to start, the mission that you have to get on is actually opening up your heart like Georgie did and saying, Jesus, come into my life. 
I give you my life. I want you to fill my life, fill my heart. I want to live for you. And there's others of us, I'm going to challenge you today to take a step and say, God, I want to serve you. I want to do whatever it is you're asking me to do. And I will trust what your word says that everything else, you're going to take care of it. We're so busy worrying about so many little things. Prominent things. And the significant things are slipping through our hands. I'm not saying that what you're doing is not important, but it's definitely not more important than the mission and the purpose that God has for your life. Then what you really want, because at the end of the day, what you want is peace, is happiness, it's a good marriage, it's to have a good business, it's to have great kids, to have unity in your family. And God is saying, if you want those things, give your life away and I will take care of all that stuff. Think about it. If you're not experiencing that fulfillment in your life, ask yourself the question, have I given my life away? I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but have I truly given my life away to God? I'm not saying you're not going to heaven, you're gonna to go to heaven. But life on earth is gonna to be tough and there's gonna be lonely moments and there's gonna be sad moments. But I don't know about you, I want to live a life that's significant for God. And what's amazing is that when we focus on Jesus, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, like Hebrew 12 says, then the things of this earth, they, they grow dim. He's so bright. He's so amazing that the things that we think are so important, they just grow dim. And he takes care of them. He gives us the clarity of mind to manage them. And we have peace. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the Word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.